the Nashville Statement on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. For over two years, we have always released the Truth and Love podcast on Monday morning. And for the first time since we started this podcast, we held off the release of our podcast 24 hours, and that is because we wanted to participate in a very special announcement. And that announcement that is public as of this morning, this Tuesday morning, is that the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood has released the Nashville Statement. The Nashville Statement is a statement on biblical sexuality as it seeks to provide biblical parameters for human sexuality in the 21st century. I think a statement like this has been desperately needed for Christians to write and for Christians to embrace. Because if you've been paying any attention at all, you know that our current age is marked by sexual confusion. And there have been Christians who have been sucked into that confusion, and it has been a matter of great importance for the Church of Jesus Christ to address this issue. I really believe confusion about sexuality, homosexuality, transgender, marriage, and all those kinds of things, I believe that is the defining issue for faithful Christians to weigh in on in this day and in this age. And I am thankful that the Nashville Statement weighs in on those issues in a way that I think is reflective of a biblical morality. I was honored to be on the draft committee for this statement and uh, am thrilled about all of the people from a diverse range of evangelicalism who have signed on as initial signatories. Just as an example of who some of these initial signatories are for the document, uh, R.C. Sproul, John Piper, James Dobson, John MacArthur, Al Mohler, Sam Alberry, Rosaria Butterfield, Ligon Duncan, Kevin DeYoung, Chris Larson, just to name a few of the dozens of Christian leaders who have signed off on this statement as one that reflects biblical morality with regard to sexuality. We are not going to read the Nashville statement on the podcast this week. I'll direct you to the website where you can find it here in just a moment. But I do want to highlight a few of the issues that it addresses. The point of the statement, as I indicated, is to describe and to summarize what the essence of biblical morality is with regard to sexuality, and it does that with a preamble with 14 articles, and each article has an affirmation and denial in which it explains what the biblical position is on these matters. The statement addresses the issue of marriage. In Article 1, it says, we affirm that God has designed marriage to be a covenantal, sexual, procreative, lifelong union of one man and one woman as husband and wife, and is meant to signify the covenant love between Christ and his bride, the church. We deny that God has designed marriage to be a homosexual, polygamous, or polyamorous relationship. We also deny that marriage is a mere human contract rather than a covenant made before God. What that article does is it basically defines marriage as the institution between one man and one woman, and that that union is the only relationship that can support sexuality. 
So the statement has a clear uh, take on marriage. The statement also addresses transgenderism. In Article 5, it says, We affirm that the differences between male and female reproductive structures are integral to God's design for self-conception as male or female. We deny that physical anomalies or psychological conditions nullify the God-appointed link between biological sex and self-conception as male or female. This statement makes a claim that would have been completely unnecessary even 20 years ago, but today is desperately needed. And that is, there is a link between your gender and your biological sex. Your biological sex determines what your gender is. That is a matter that is debatable in our crazed culture that has completely abandoned any kind of biblical morality. And the Nashville Statement makes a very clear statement that transgenderism is out of bounds and gender is defined by biological sex. The statement also makes a clear declaration about how we are to perceive ourselves. It says in Article 7, one of the most important articles, I believe, in the document, it says, We affirm that self-conception as male or female should be defined by God's holy purposes in creation and redemption as revealed in Scripture. We deny that adopting a homosexual or transgender self-conception is consistent with God's holy purposes in creation and redemption. This is a statement that says you are to think of yourself the way God tells you to think of yourself. And if you are a man, then you should think of yourself as a man. If you are a woman, then you should identify and think of yourself as a woman. And you should not think of yourself as a homosexual person or as a transgender person. Uh, Article 8 goes on to say in its denial, we deny that sexual attraction for the same sex is part of the natural goodness of God's original creation or that it puts a person outside the hope of the gospel. This again is how we are to think of ourselves, And we should not think of ourselves as people with an attraction for the same sex that is fundamentally good. This article denies that and says that same-sex attraction is not part of the natural goodness of God's original creation. But it says more than that. It says the presence of same-sex attraction also does not put you outside the hope of the gospel. And so I love that even as this document is clear, it's also very hopeful. This statement also does what I believe is going to be the most controversial part of the statement. The other stuff is plenty controversial, but I think the most controversial part of the document has to do with defining what is and is not an essential departure from historic Christianity. And I want you to listen to these words of Article 10. It's very clear. We affirm that it is sinful to approve of homosexual immorality or transgenderism, and that such approval constitutes an essential departure from Christian faithfulness and witness. We deny that the approval of homosexual immorality or transgenderism is a matter of moral indifference about which otherwise faithful Christians should agree to disagree." What this statement does, and I can just tell you as a member of the committee that worked on this for a very long time, every word in this is important. Every word in this is crucial. And the point of the article is to say 
homosexuality and transgenderism is not a matter about which Christians can agree to disagree. The statement says that if you approve of homosexual immorality, or if you approve of transgenderism, then you have placed yourself outside of the historic Christian witness on these matters. That means you are fundamentally unfaithful to the teaching of the biblical witness on these matters. This statement is so important because what it means is, Article 10 is very clear, that if you are a person who purports to be a Christian and yet says these things are correct, homosexuality and transgenderism, these things are fine and we can agree to disagree on it, you have placed yourself outside the bounds of the historic Christian witness on these matters, and you should repent. One of my favorite things about the document, though, is not just what it says about marriage, transgenderism, self-conceptions of who we are, and what is and is not an essential departure, but also what it says about grace. And I want you to listen to these words from Article 13 and Article 14. We affirm that the grace of God in Christ enables sinners to forsake transgender self-conceptions and by divine forbearance to accept the God-ordained link between one's biological sex and one's self-conception as male or female. We deny that the grace of God in Christ sanctions self-conceptions that are at odds with God's revealed will. We affirm that Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners and that through Christ's death and resurrection, forgiveness of sins and eternal life are available to every person who repents of sin and trusts in Christ alone as Savior, Lord, and supreme treasure. We deny that the Lord's arm is too short to save or that any sinner is beyond his reach. This is a statement of grace. It's a statement of power. It's a statement that declares that you are not defined by your sexual sin, but that you are defined by the grace of God through repentant faith in Jesus Christ. And so it's a statement that doesn't just draw the lines. It's a statement that points to the hope that is available in Jesus Christ and the grace that all of us have as we depend on him. The banner over the Nashville statement is Psalm 103. In fact, that is the psalm that is quoted at the very beginning of the statement, and it says, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Ultimately, I worked to draft the Nashville statement, and I was happy to sign the Nashville statement because God's love wins, and it's important to be on the right side of his history. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I want to encourage you to read the Nashville Statement in its entirety. To do that, you can visit the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood at cbmw.org. And if you'd like more information about ACBC and our ministry, then you can visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.